Is this art good? Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome for your first time, whether it's if it's your first time or not. Wait, no. Maybe, Welcome. Maybe a skip taste of luxury. Maybe you skipped one. Maybe you said, what's this? Cosmic Encounter? Mm. Well, it's Is This Art Good? With myself, Devin. And me, Alphonse. We are the podcast where we determine whether some art is good or if it's not so good sometimes. We are the podcast. Yeah. The one podcast. We're the we're the one podcast that I am aware of that makes it that explicit. <laughs> yes, that's us. <laughs> so Devin this week has given me uh, a piece of media that we're both very familiar with. Yes, very, very familiar with. I would estimate that we have spent probably over 100 hours at least with this game. Oh, easily, easily. So, yeah. Yeah, so this is a first for us on the podcast because we are reviewing a board game, a tabletop game. Strictly speaking, it's not a board game. It's not played on a board, but I guess if your table's made out of wood, then it's played on a board. It's a boards game. Yeah, it's a boards game. It's a card, pieces of cardboard, you know. It's called Cosmic Encounter. It was originally uh, published in 1977. Uh, so it's quite an Ooh. old, quite an old game. It's now published by uh, Fantasy Flight Games, who have taken it and kind of modernized it, uh, yeah. done a lot of new, exciting things with it. They come out with lots of expansions. And um, essentially, Cosmic Encounter is a tabletop strategy game where you control a series of planets uh, and military units and you try to colonize other people's solar systems. You basically represent like an entire species and their like colonies that they call home. Right. And, uh, you know, there's a there's a multiplayer game. Uh, you need at least three people. I would suggest more than that for reasons that we'll probably get into. Yes. Yeah. So in Cosmic Encounter, you play as an alien race and each alien race has its own particular ability due to the way that it evolved in the universe. Yeah. The way that it came into being the environment, physical environment that it grew up in, it's all played into sort of the the physical characteristics of the alien, mm -hmm. and those are manifested in the game through special abilities that help you win. Yeah. You win the game by establishing colonies on other people's planets, in other people's systems, as they're called. Yeah, so what you would be looking at in, say, a three-player game is you'd have three different colored sets of five planets. You know, those are each of those colors, each of those races, uh, like home planets. Um, and then each player has, I think it's like 25 ships split up amongst those planets. And you basically have little encounters using cards uh, to determine who wins. Um, there's different types of cards. They all do different effects. Um, I don't want to get into like the the hyper minutia of it because I don't feel like that really is like great for a podcast. Yeah, I the, so the reason that I gave you this um, was sort of because I think that people overlook board games as a form of art. Yeah, 
you know, there are examples of games that are called art games like Monopoly, which we can talk about a little bit later. But I really wanted this to be kind of a discussion of board games as a genre of art and kind of using one that we're really familiar with as like a vehicle for that, right? So, you know, down to mm-hmm. things like the art for the aliens on the cards. Like these are really, really intricate drawings, paintings, whatever. And that all of those kind of little details are things that are missed, you know, probably in whatever your favorite board game is. Uh, you probably yeah. think of it as a pastime. Uh, you probably don't think much of like how much effort went into designing, designing the rules, designing the play surface, Things like that. So that's kind of what my goal was for this episode when I gave Alphonse this. Yeah, I spend a lot of time personally thinking about different art forms and also thinking about like what things would be comparable to other things in an art form. Right. So while Devin has uh, been giving me music lessons and we've compared like notes to different colors, you know, and different chords would be like different uh, combinations of colors. I, I like to think about what is the key change of a visual art piece? Like what is the equivalent <laughs> on this other right. medium, right? And, you know, spending a lot of time thinking about these things and like thinking about what qualifies something as art in the first place. And you know, as someone who's really into video games, I've I've spent a lot of time in my youth, especially with people who, you know, don't think that games are an art form. And I'm, I'm not really going to get into that today because I don't think that that's even like a worthwhile argument at this point. I think it's pretty solidly solved. Just because we review video games means we consider them art because we review art here. Yeah. So we're not we're not entering into a debate of whether something is art. Right. That's kind of a moot point. Yeah. So what I'm getting to is that I think that games, period, are art. So I would extend this, you know, past just video games and into board games or basketball or capture the flag. I'll I'll note that I don't mean that the act of a game of it of capture the flag is the art form. I mean that the rule set and the you know, almost like a dance uh, step chart is how the structure. Yeah, it's the structure. It's the idea of the thing. Yeah. And so that's what's kind of interesting about that is that you are saying, if I'm not misunderstanding, you're saying that it's actually the making of the game that is the art and the performance of the game, not so much, which is an interesting idea to me. I don't know if I agree with that lens because I think that that's, that's I wonder how much that's informed by like you as a musician, because I think that there's a lot of importance put on performance within music, especially. Sure. Whereas I would actually say that the finished, you know, in the way that a game is completed when it is like done being made, mm-hmm. like no one cares about the performance of making the game. Like no one's going to go and watch someone code on their, on their computer for like five hours. No one's going to watch me cut cardboard out of a bunch of boxes to make my ships for cosmic, for my homebrew cosmic encounter (laughs) uh, set, you know? And yeah, in that same way, like I, I would say that that is the perform the quote unquote performance of like making one of these things, making a game, but the, the carrying out of it, the use of it, 
like in the same way that one would play a record right is playing a game okay i don't want to do sorry i I don't want to do the counterpoint of like well but you make music when you record it and then listening to it isn't making the art it's it's interpreting the art so exactly board games are an interesting you know to narrow the scope here a little bit board games are an interesting example of art that occurs as you take it in almost art that is being made as you are engaging in it, engaging with it. But that's my point. I don't think that that's true. I think that the art has already been made. Playing a game is the equivalent to hitting play on a CD or starting up a video game. You know, you're creating a new experience, maybe, but that's just kind of the nature of an interactive art form. A new experience, new level of consciousness like we do because we are the Beatles. There we go. <laughs> did we get a did we get a walk hard reference? We in did the not. Last we did not get one. Oh, in. Ah, oh, thank God. Oh, I was getting nervous when you put when you drop the needle and you just go great record. Um, great record. Anyway, so I okay, so I do have a problem with that then actually. Okay, because I think that there is something to be said about uh, you know finding new ways. Cosmic Encounter is a game where you're constantly interpreting the rules, right? Just because there are so many cards, there are so many combinations of particular alien powers that conflict with other ones in ways that make the game that's what makes the game have so much replay value Mm -hmm. to the point where the rules also state like do not use this alien with this alien if there's like a particular conflict there because their powers their abilities are going to break the game basically right they've been designed in ways that these two just aren't compatible that's how it goes yeah so because there's so much you know ability for interpretation and because there's so much flexibility there, you're constantly engaging in discourse. You and I have had so many arguments, both fruitful and <laughs> fruitless arguments, over violence sometimes. Yeah. What a specific <laughs> little wording. You know, why is it worded like this? Well, I thought that, you know, it would be worth and I think that when you're when you're engaging in that, you're growing, you're making the art into something new. You are engaging in a different sort of creation. I would I would absolutely disagree. Good. And the thing that I'll compare that to is like if you read a novel and you interpret it in a way that's different from like the intent mm-hmm. or like maybe you just accidentally skipped a chapter and you're totally missing something or going back to, uh, you know, the Sisters Brothers or previous episode, I thought that two characters were the same person for 20 minutes of that film. Right. And that's not me changing that art. Like it exists in its form as it is already. That's set in stone. I'm just engaging with it in a way that is wrong. And and at best, that's like a remix if you are going to consistently change the rule. No, I don't think that it's wrong because in a game like this, the creator can't possibly account for every single possible combination, right? Right. And to be clear, they do publish like errata when there are consistent questions that come up there's lots of forums Mm -hmm. and stuff that we usually uh that we usually go to for a a consensus and that i think is why it's different you know if you have a radically different interpretation of a novel than the author was going for uh and you go and you say huh i guess i really had that wrong you know that's kind of similar to looking for a, a rule in the forums of a board game you're going to board game geek or whatever right so yeah i do think that like House rules matter. I think they matter, but like 
they matter to you as the audience is what is kind of my point, right? Like, right. If I had a version of a book that <laughs> was missing a chapter, like I said, like, yeah. or I read it and I skipped a chapter, that's not, that's not the book. That's my version of like the way that I took in the book. Right. You know, if I, if I listen to music, if I listen to the Beatles discography and I'm missing an earbud, then I'm going to get a very different version of what it is. And I don't think that that version is necessarily like the same thing that they created. No, but here's the thing. That's absolutely true. It's not. You're not listening to the whole of what the author intended. Right. But with a board game, the whole of what the author intended should be the rule book. Yeah, it should be. But sometimes there just are things that aren't covered. It's not possible in a game of this scale to cover every single possible combination, which is what I'm saying. Yeah. Which is which is why it's left up to the player. It's left up to the player to determine exactly how are we supposed to interpret this and make it into something that works. Right. I don't know if I would credit that as being a conscious choice. Okay. Like, I think that that lies in the same area as like, you know, going back to the sisters brothers again. <laughs> um, I didn't know what the Commodore did and we, or like what his role in that story was. And we both had like fairly different interpretations of that. Right. So like, you know, that's uh that's just a different read of the same material. Okay. So what is bigger question that will kind of help guide what I'm about to say afterwards? What do you think the point of board games as art is if you're creating a board game what are you trying to do i think hmm well i mean like what what's the point of music are you asking rhetorically there's many different ways you could define the point of like an artistic medium right and sure like, I, yeah, yeah yeah people yeah. are going to have really different determinations of what that is right and like is there even should there even be a point to it you know Right. If you mean, yeah, you can make something that's just for your own entertainment. If people don't like it, fuck them. Who cares? Okay. Yeah. Like the original construction of this game might have been, you know, it was probably for the purposes of having fun, but, you know, it might have been very small scale. It might not have been made to appeal to a ton of people. It might have been for like their very specific group of friends, or maybe they made it to be the biggest board game they could possibly make for the most people, you know? So are you asking, like, what do I think the point of Cosmic Encounter is or like board games generally? We're talking about whether this art form uh, is entirely finished before the player plays it. I think so. That's our disagreement, right? And so I'm saying, what is the point of the game? What is the point of having the game there, right? Is it to create the game? And then to just let people do what they want with it? Or is it to allow people that freedom that I'm describing? And you're saying it's not to allow the people that freedom. I, yeah, like there is only so much that you can like build around as like a game developer in any sense. Like, you know, if we're going to extrapolate this into sports as well, like they probably had to write a rule for that time that that baseball pitcher like threw a ball and hit a bird instead of getting it across home plate. Right. The fact that they then had to write a rule about that doesn't, that's not something that the guy who invented baseball came up with. Well, sure. You know, and then like in video games, it's kind of a different thing where like any of these generally would cause like a glitch in the game where there's like an unintended side effect. 
and it's like, okay, someone has to like bug fix that or whatever. Yeah. And so does, well, so does writing new rules or fixing bugs make the thing different than what it is, make it an entirely different piece of art or does it help the consumer? I think that if you were to create a house rule, you have now created a remixed version, like in the way that there is like a remix of this fucking song or whatever. Right. You have now changed something about it. And maybe it's like our fucking roommate from uh, from Birchview's fucking shitty Green Day remix that just has like reverb over it. Right. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say. If you make a house rule that clarifies something or that solves a debate, you've fixed a bug. And fixing a bug is an important part of making sure an art form plays out the way that it's supposed to play out. And that means that the player is able to engage in that. I'll note that I'll also say that like bug fixes and patches, those are like on the same level as a remix. Like it is a lot more common. It's a lot more like accepted as being like, okay, this is the new like proper version of this thing. It depends how big the bug is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it because you'll assume if you get to, you know, halfway through level six and the game crashes, well, they're going to catch that, you know, in beta or whatever. Like they're going to, you know, it's not going to make it past. But if it's a sort of thing where like, hey, I fall through this one hidden block instead of uh, landing on it. That's a problem. Yeah. Right. And that's it's something that's less. That, yeah, you can patch it in, but people patch in things all the time when the developer patches things in all the time. And that's the same thing as creating an errata for the board game. Right. So if the creator does it, it's fine. But house rules are a no, no, as far as the art being pure. I don't want it to be like like I'm saying it's a no, no or anything. I just think I don't think it's fair to count that as like part of the art when like it's not even you know it's not even a bug fix that's being put out by the creator if it's a house rule no it's not you know but that's the difference so like i think if you do a a house rule at home that's that is a mod that is a remix if it is done you know if it is done either through an updated version of the game that is released or like through an official errata from the developer then i would say that that is like that's a patch you know it's a remaster yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, fantasy. We haven't even played the original vanilla Cosmic Encounter. No, really, no, we we've played the Fantasy Flights version of it. Yeah, maybe the original one sucks. Maybe I doubt it, but maybe <laughs> I doubt it too. <laughs> I just remember the art being boring. That's valid. That's totally valid. The yeah. art. Wait, the game itself or like the visual art? <laughs> the visual <laughs> Got art. Got him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, stupid. All right, so let's. Let's narrow it down. Like, this is very high-level conversation, which is good. Yeah, yeah. To get a little bit more specific, there are games like Snakes and Ladders. There's nothing to fuck with, right? Right. You roll a number, you move the number. If there's a ladder on that space, you go up the ladder. If there's a snake on that space, you go down the snake. Yeah. A snake's tail, to be precise. If there's nothing... You just stay on the number. First one to 100 wins. I've just explained in excruciating detail the rules for snakes and ladders. Yeah. It doesn't get any more than that. There's nothing to fuck up. That game sucks. Yeah, of course. Nobody wants to like. Yeah. It's chance. And then you just fucking get, well, I keep rolling a four and then a six and I get stuck on the same fucking snake every goddamn time. That's a pain in the ass. Oh, God dang it. Yeah. So I do think that there's a certain level. Well, are games like snakes and ladders art? Just in that? 
Absolutely. Okay. I think it's bad art. Right. It's not nearly as engaging, (laughs) which is weird. The simplicity of Snakes and Ladders is what makes it bad. I wouldn't necessarily say that the complexity of Cosmic Encounter is what makes it good, but it sure helps. I think it's not the simplicity itself that makes it bad. It is the effect of the simplicity on the player's experience in which you have no agency in that game whatsoever. No, it's entirely chance. roll the dice. You do a physical action, but like you don't get to do anything with it. You don't get to like make choices, even in D&D or whatever, like something that is dice based. You're still like choosing to, you know, I want to roll with this stat. I want to do this thing that uses this stat that I'm good at instead of like a stat I'm bad at. Like you can do a lot with dice for sure. I mean, RPGs as a genre are entirely based on like random number generation. Mm, But I don't think that only having an RNG generator of one to 10 or two dice or whatever is like a good only route for doing shit in a game. Right. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But I just wanted to justify why I was coming at snakes and ladders so hard. No, that's fine. I mean, it's it's you need to have agency, period, anyway. Yeah. And in Cosmic Encounter, the agency is that you pick cards that basically help you take over other people's planets. There's a really fine. I, and I think what makes me like Cosmic Encounter a lot, and it, it's kind of built around this as well, is like so much of the game is up to random chance, but an equal like like the other entire half of the game is up to player choice. So it's like you can be very strategic. There's a lot of layers of like, do I want to risk this thing? It is going to be random chance, but I know kind of my odds and whatever. It's a game that you can. I always describe it as like if risk and poker had a kid in space. (laughs) Yeah, it's very much that level of like combo where it's like it is half chance and half thought. And they're both important. I see. I wouldn't even say it's half chance. I guess it is probably 50% because you are dealt cards, which are random, and then you have to figure out how to win with those, right? Well, I'm counting the powers and, you know, tech or whatever as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's that's fair. Yeah. So it's figuring out how to use what you have, right? And that is entirely player agency, which I think is good. Yeah. But that's also when you feel like you're getting the most out of it. The first couple times you play it, it feels like a lot. You know, it's it's a oh, hard yeah. game to learn. It's a hard game to get the hang of. But if you have people who are willing to take the time with you, like we did, shout out to our buddy Face. What's up, man? What up, Face? Love you, Face. Oh, my baby. <laughs> my baby boy. If, there, if you have people who are willing to take the time to, like, really explain the rules over and over again and play that play through that yeah you got to give it time for sure right that's when you start to get the most out of it which i suppose you would say you know that's the same thing as like listening to a really complex album over and over and picking out every little nuance that there is in there but yep (laughs) but i don't know i think that that's more like learning how to play every song on an album and covering it so let me justify why i think that that's apt i think that like Yeah, there's many different outcomes, which I think is what you're getting to. Like one game, the way you're thinking about this is one game, like one session of playing it start to finish would construct a song, you know, like that outcome is what you is the product you're thinking of. Nah, that the analogy doesn't really work that that well. 
Okay. Well, let me let me like deconstruct it a little anyways. <laughs> okay, sure. Just for, you know, for fun. That's why we're here. Yeah. So what I would say is that like say some fucking high art fucking dude it makes some bullshit at the moma yeah and what it is is like a printer that's kind of broken and it like is broken in specific ways to make weird images that it prints out sure yeah and and they submit the printer itself to the moma the art is the printer then right not the printed papers sure you know in a similar way you could like take a bunch of oscillators and just like pick them out of random using like a an engine or something mm-hmm. and the songs that that makes if there's no like human interaction i wouldn't say that those songs are art i would say that the engine that makes them is the art actually i think that that's great there actually is ai that is designed to create music by itself right. that uses neural networks to learn as it creates and presumably gets better at making music over time. Yeah. Very, very odd. Very interesting. Um, I think that the argument can be made both ways about your printer example. Okay. Because each individual piece that gets created by the printer, I would argue that is also created by the printer's creator. But does, here's my thing. Does the printer think to itself, I'm going to make art? No, the printer doesn't think. Exactly. No. The game doesn't think. I didn't say that the printer makes the art. I said that the creator makes the art that the printer puts out. Right. But that also that also is the art. Each image that comes out of the printer is also art. I think that if anything, it would be part of the same piece. It's part of the same piece. Yeah, of course, it's part of the same piece. I don't think it's art. I don't think that like it is art. I don't think so. I don't think that the. The individual papers, like the images that are printed off of this printer, no. are art because I don't think, you know, unless unless you want to go with the idea that like, okay, the printer is a tool that the artist is using to create art. Well, this is this is very good. I'm actually going to deconstruct your deconstruction here and go back to music All right. where building a guitar is art shaping it, learning how to properly set it up. Woodworking is an art, right? I don't know if I agree. Just hold on. It's visual art. It's physical art. You're creating an instrument and they're visually, not always, many times they are visually appealing. Some sound better than others. They are sonically appealing. And then somebody goes and writes a song on it. I'm not, I'm not even following you this far. Why not? If I'm being honest, I think that that is a trade that is a craft. And while it can be like done as an art, I don't think a person who makes a guitar generally thinks about what that guitar is meant to express. And for me, I split art into like art has to be made up of two things, which is expression and craft. And I don't think I think there's plenty of art that we see that has no craft and is all expression. And that's like some like MoMA shit where people just like put in two rocks in a glass case, you know, like I don't, I don't care. They didn't make the fucking rocks. Similarly, I I think you could make a guitar that is art, but I don't, I think most guitars are objects that are beautiful made by extremely talented craftsmen or craftswomen, whatever craftspeople. But I don't think that that guitar is art unless it's expressing something. 
No, that's fucking no, that's bullshit, because that means that you can just fucking buy because I'm not saying all guitars are art. I'm not saying all musical instruments are art, but, you know, certainly not factory fucking just drilled line built assembly line. You know, that's the same thing as assembly line Mona Lisa prints, you know, Mm -hmm. but that but what you're saying then is essentially someone could take one of those you know, assembly line ones, and then they go put a fuck art sticker on it. And now it's art because it's expression and craft. Absolutely. That's bullshit. That's fucking bullshit. Okay, wait, wait. So here's no, my thing. No, no, no. Hold on. No, 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 no. no. You Shut can't up. discount Let that. me finish. Let me, no, but I haven't finished my point about it. So the sticker on the guitar, right? They created that sticker. They made something that is the craft that they put into this. So it is now found object with something that they've made. They might not have made the sticker. Well, then like they might have bought the sticker and then just put it on the guitar. OK, so it's it's found objects that they are then submitting. I think that that's terrible art in the same way that I think like the rocks in a cabinet are. But like they still put it together to present. And that is like what makes it an art piece. I have no interest in that, but I don't. I don't think it's not art. Okay, that's great. So a luthier who puts together an instrument for a client as like, hey, I want you to do something. I want you to express your creative ability and build me an instrument. Someone who does that, which is, I would argue, the polar opposite in instrument making from the assembly line guitar maker, whatever. The person who does that is putting expression into it. They are expressing themselves. They are taking the shape. Are they though? Yes, they're taking, they're designing the shape. Justify that. They're designing the shape. They're doing sketches. They're doing measurements. That's craft. They're Sketching is craft? Yes. It's expression. It's designing something, designing a body shape, designing proper. Yep. Just like a person who makes a table is, is designing a thing. But like, you don't go into a house and see a table and be like, that's my favorite fucking art piece. What's the difference? What is the difference? It, it's an object for a purpose. What is the difference between expression? Why can it? No. Why? Fuck art is an object for a purpose. That sticker. It's the its purpose is to be stuck on something. But it expresses a thing. So too. it has to say words. No, I mean, I mean, it has to express a feeling like designing a drawing out all of your pieces for your guitar. I, I want to be clear. I have the utmost respect for craftsmen like craft is what is important to me in art, really. But I don't think it's good just like in general to say that like, oh, all craft is art, you know, and I don't think that making a guitar. I didn't say all craft was art. Sure, sure. But like, what is the difference here? Like a person has to sketch out a table and all the little grooves that they want to put in the table, you know, like a a really well-made table. They have to do that just as much as like the guy making the guitar has to. What is the point? They're using wood as a medium. They're using whatever. I don't know a bunch of luthier tools. They have a set of tools that they use to to sculpt the thing. Right. What is it not expressing? Like what? When is is it? Is it now? Is it art? If it's in the shape of like a demon's head or if it's in the shape of like a thing, a hand giving the middle finger, then it's expressing something explicit. But not all art has to express something explicit anyway. It can be an implicit expression. So what I'll say is that that is then drawing on symbology, which is going to like establish some sort of like emotion that someone can read out of it. Like what is 
what emotion does this guitar give you? It depends. Most don't give me any emotion. That's my point. That's what I'm saying. Is like that's that's the expression part. But I'm not saying that nobody gets no emotion from most guitars. Some people might get the emotion from feeling it, playing it, and then going, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful thing that has been created. And that is the emotion that they get. Right. And that is what instruments are, is to be played. It's not a visual thing necessarily. It's a physical thing. I think that's the same emotion as like when I hold a fancy graphics card. You know, it is a designed object to serve a purpose. Then I'm going to bring this back in and I'm going to say, what is the expression in board game design? I'm going to say board game design is craft. It's expressing this like experience, you know, in the same way that a lot of adventure stories, like maybe they don't try to necessarily get one specific emotion across, but they are trying to convey an experience. Okay. I would say that Cosmic Encounter is a, is conveying the experience of like a cosmic war for supremacy. I think that like it shows like democracy in a really good way where you're trying to make these deals and like if you use a negotiate and it gets attacked, you get like war reparations. It is simulating a real like imagined conflict in space right. among different races. And I think th this isn't really related to our points that we're making, but it's something I was thinking about earlier. I think that the game does a really good job of using negotiates and attacks as a very simplified version so that you don't have to change the entire combat system around each race. It is very like generalized so that it can cover all of them. And I think that that's really elegant. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so I agree wholeheartedly with what you just said about Cosmic Encounter, but that doesn't extend to all board games. A game like Snakes and Ladders, I don't think that expresses anything. And if that is a benchmark of what we are using, that where art has to be expression and craft, then not all board games are art, and we're falling into a conversation I didn't want to have. But the game has design motifs. It has snakes and ladders. These are like, you know, it's surrealism for sure. It's it is not a realistic uh, vision we have of anything there, but it is still like drawing on some sort of visual identity. It's the same way where like you gave the example of a guitar that's like shaped like Satan's head or whatever. Yeah, I would also say that if I saw a beautifully carved uh like victorian table that's got little like cherubs as the legs and shit like sure that's art sure but then at the same time and i'll use the musical instrument thing again you know just a finish on a guitar that's not a solid color like something that has a paisley finish or something that has flames on it and then it's like well yeah the finish is art the paint part is art because it's expressing something but the instrument itself isn't art and that's i think that that's doing a disservice to the whole thing because that is less work. I so my issue too is like you know it comes into an issue of what is the person making this for, right? Yeah. Is the person expressing something with it, but are they also thinking like this is an art piece? Like this is this is art that I'm making or are they thinking like wow, I made a great guitar 
And and you know that's that's not to say that this is a black and white issue because that's going to no. depend like no, creator to creator. Because I think you know the capitalist board game company A produces snakes and ladders with one type of image of snakes and ladders, mm-hmm. and capitalist board game company B produces snakes and ladders with somebody else's drawing of snakes and ladders. Well, the different drawings of the snakes and the ladders certainly can have, you know, visual artistic merit to them. They can be like beautiful. Who knows? A fucking like hand carved snakes and ladders board or something like you can extrapolate it out that much. But what is the game itself expressing? What is where is the art in the game itself? Because you can always take that motif and and expand it or shrink it. You know, you can make a minimalist snakes and ladders game that has like a straight line as a snake and then like a, a line with crosses on it as a ladder. Mm. And that's using almost no symbology. Yeah. So I you, you mentioned like different versions. And I will say that like what I think of as the art for a game is like the combination of the visuals and the mechanics of the game. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the times, ideally, I think that games should tell their stories or like any sort of uh, vibe that they're trying to get across using their mechanics primarily. Yeah, absolutely. Which is like something that is not often done. Uh, we've talked about like Ludo narrative dissonance in regards to like Undertale and such. So I would note that different versions of of Snakes and Ladders are like similar to what if Andy Warhol had like a bunch of prints of the Mona Lisa, you know, that's yeah, not yeah. Y- you wouldn't say that he made the Mona Lisa, but you would say like, oh, this is like a version of the Mona Lisa that he did. Like it's different visuals. Okay, Yeah. And, and I think you have your Zelda monopoly and your SpongeBob monopoly and your cat in the hat opoly, you know, all of these things that are spinoffs, really. They're, these are different versions of the game, but at least in the case of the SpongeBob one, which I have upstairs, not to speak the other ones because I don't know them as well, but the rules are the same as regular Monopoly, right? right? The only thing that's different is the art. Yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe the, the, the prices, whatever they might. The names of stuff. They might have thrown in like a easy version for kids or something like that. You know what I mean? But the core game, yeah. the core game remains the same. And so that to me, that means that the art is the same to me. I think. Yeah. Also, I did think of a potential thing that uh, Snakes and Ladders may might have been expressing. Okay. You know, I'm not really familiar with uh, the creator's original works and like their other work, you know, so I can't really say. <laughs> okay. But I would say that it's about the ups and downs and how life can sometimes, you know, give you lemons. Sometimes gives you ladders. Sometimes it gives you snakes. Sometimes you just got to, you know, and ultimately that's like out of your hands. That's just gonna happen to you ultimately it's a dice roll right so it's it's fucking it's hard determinism the game yeah yeah (laughs) it's literally hard determinism the game you fucking nailed it but then i would say no it's also not because in order to believe in hard determinism in as the game you have (laughs) to believe that each one of your dice rolls outside of the game as a physical medium is also determined true 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 that's a great point and that's like not anywhere (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Devin, should we just start like an art philosophy fucking uh, podcast instead where we yell at each other? This is the first episode of it. Yep. Hey, folks, welcome to our format change. 
<laughs> yeah, we're renaming we're renaming the show This Isn't Fun. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> For anybody else. I'm enjoying myself. Um Yeah, same. Good. We don't get to do this much anymore, you know, where we get really aggressive. Yeah, I don't talk to Devin anymore. <laughs> Going back to the like different versions of games, you can have your SpongeBob version and your Zelda version, whatever. And the game, the core game stays the same. The rules are the same. The mechanics are the same. And you play through and in the end, it's the same game. What's different? The visual aspects of it. So the visual art is different. Sure, that's not a problem. But then you get games like the SpongeBob version of life right mm-hmm. and i'm going to spongebob because this is a touchstone that we've both played we both like are aware of the different versions of these games um in those the actual rules of the game vary slightly from the original right now is that the equivalent of like canadian football and american football yeah i'd say like similar to the metaphor before uh that's that's like a remix that's a you know just an alternate version yeah yeah right so I think what I'm saying um, by bringing that up is that the different versions of board games can have different qualities. Yeah. And therefore different levels of qualifying as art. What what do you mean by quality? Like, just like, are they good or bad? Both. So, so qualities of being art, you know, how far removed from the original product is it? Does that matter? Does a cover version matter? Is a cover version just as good art as the original song? Right. Like, does it exist as the same, like, level of art? Right, right. Not not like it's a good cover. Or does it does it even improve on it, possibly? Right. Yeah. Such as... Uh, famous Blue Raincoat. Jonathan Colton's cover of Famous Blue Raincoat by Leonard Cohen. Yes. Yeah. Leonard Cohen, <laughs> Canadian legend, don't like him. Not a fan. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> did you have a Did you have a response to that, though? It sounded like you did. No, I, I mean, I think that's like pretty apt. Yeah. So I don't know if I agree with like the idea of various levels of being art. I feel like art is kind of a a binary of whether it's not or is. Well, see, this is the problem, because I think that you've dug yourself a hole of craft and expression and some guitars have both and some board games have both and some don't but then that means that board games either are or aren't art if they're all art there can't be any that aren't considered art but if some have craft and no expression then they can't be art therefore they're not all art so it can't be a binary you you've you've contradicted yourself here so wait where where does the contradiction come in i'm not like quite following perfectly you're saying if something has Something requires craft and expression to be art. Those are the two things it needs. Yeah. Expression isn't maybe like the best term, I guess, like aesthetics, but (laughs) not just visual aesthetics. I mean, like the craft, I'll be clear, is when I think of that, I think of what is the key characteristic of this medium. So in film, that is like moving imagery. Sure. You know, like that is. Uh, shot composition, how much they're getting across with just visuals in sequence for games. That is the actual game of it. The mechanics, like if you stripped a, if you stripped dark souls down to like just fucking gray models, that's still a good game, right? Do it jump good. Yeah. 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 And so what's the other thing? The other thing is like, 
you know, aesthetics, it's uh, visuals, it's music, it's writing, it's anything that is kind of an art form unto itself that is a component of this like more collage art form. Right. Like what the fuck does a game like Pong Express? Pong's all craft. It's like we did it because we found the technology to do it. Yeah. But in a way, isn't that like that is a form of expression. So expression can be through the craft is what you're saying. Here's here's what I'll give you. The first guitar of a like line. I could go for that being a piece of art, but I think that the reprints are not. Oh, yeah. I want to I want to discount pretty much like assembly line guitars, period. Yeah. But I think that like you can have a Fender Stratocaster that's art and you can have another Fender Stratocaster that's art. You can have two people that put this together separately that built it from nothing and they can both be art. I don't like strats, so it's a bad personal example, but yeah. So, yeah, I get you've kind of won me over with the guitar thing. But what I'll say is that I don't think I find much value in what the form of a guitar can be used to express because it still needs to be like optimized for usability to be a guitar. Like it still has to fit. It has to fit in this like very specific like set of design choices in the same way that a table does. Like it, a table has to be, you know, flat on top for the most part to be usable. It's got to have enough legs to support it. Uh, A guitar has to have strings and it's got to have six of them if it's a six string, like so on and so forth. Yeah, but do you think that the expression can come through how well it's doing those things? Take this, for example. This is a um, a miniature version of <laughs> Carl Thompson's- Supplemental material. Rain- yeah, Carl Thompson's rainbow bass built for less clay pool. Right. So it's a six it's a six string bass, and I got me this for Christmas. I think it's very cool. Carl Thompson is a luthier. He's in his like 80s. One thing that is a hallmark of all of his guitars that are certainly not a hallmark of everybody's guitar. I'm sure there are other people who make sure of this. Yeah. But certainly not everybody. So it's not like something that all guitars are. He designs them so that they are perfectly balanced. Okay. So much so that you can see like on his Instagram, just pictures of him like resting them on his leg with no no arms. He's like sitting there. And that, I believe, is an expression through the craft, an expression of perfect balance and perfect playability. And that is the the benchmark that that person is trying to achieve by doing that. One example, like obviously there's more to it than that. Yeah, like like I'll, I'll come with you on guitars are art, but I think that that is a if we're using this like window that I have <laughs> this framework, I think that that is incorrect for how the framework is laid out because I think that using expression colloquially like that is an expression of craft. Sure. But what that means is they did craft really good. No, no, I am saying an expression of something else through craft. But what's he expressing through craft? Ask him. Don't ask me what somebody's trying to express. Okay, but that's the problem is like the audience can't pick up on it. So even if that is like the expression here, which like that isn't what I'm setting up with this framework even. But if it were, then like it's not being like conveyed well. So is that a bad guitar? Well, maybe it's an expression of a desire for everybody who plays it to feel comfortable. I don't know. 
But okay, so this is the thing. That is excellent craft. Okay. I would say that the shapes, anything that like is is optional, like isn't necessary to making a guitar and isn't a sign of like a good guitar. Anything extra, like the paint job or the little curl on the top of the uh mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. the body, like that is the expression. That is the flourish, the extra little details that are there to like get across, you know, maybe a, a feeling if it's going to be something that direct. But like in the same way that like Jackson Pollock's work is art, but doesn't really like express anything to me. And thus, I think it's bad art. I would say that like that guitar is really good art but has terrible expression. I think, and it is art because it is expression and craft, but I think it's terrible at expression and probably amazing at craft. So what about board games? Let's go back. Yeah, what about board games? <laughs> yeah, I I still think that there was a contradiction there, but maybe we'll just leave it. We'll ask our viewers at the end, mm. if they, listeners at the end, if they think there was a contradiction there. Right. So narrowing things down to Cosmic Encounter, Where do you want to go from here? I feel like we haven't talked about Cosmic Encounter itself much. We've talked about the mechanics a little bit. And I think getting into what the mechanics like feel like is a good idea. But getting into the specifics isn't necessarily like the most interesting radio. I think talking about the aesthetics of this game uh, would be a good route. And maybe that'll lead us to talking about some of that gameplay. See, I think that I'm sorry. I don't I don't want to blow this back up, but I have to say it now. I think that you are too focused on aesthetics in art. Okay. Period. Because I think that there's something else about this game that is art beyond the aesthetics. Yeah, for sure. And I think that you you are focused on expression through aesthetics and not through something else. Wait, wait, wait. I'll note that I said aesthetics later because I don't know if expression is necessarily like an optimal word to use because what I mean is like the emotion or feeling that a piece of art is supposed to conjure, you know, and that's not necessarily like supposed to be like, oh, it make me feel sad or like it could be like hyper specific. Like this feels like a fucking Sunday morning drive with my mom to go get cigarettes on the res like. (laughs) you know that you know what that is where i want to start with cosmic encounter okay because that's where i want to start i want to start sunday morning drive with your mom to the rest to get cigarettes cosmic encounter i don't believe it is designed to be fun okay in the same way and i i would make risk i i've made that relation before to people who are like i don't like risk and then i'm like no no no, try this game please (laughs) right (laughs) um In the same way that Monopoly is an art game that's designed to make you hate capitalism. Right. Cosmic Encounter is often, the more people you get in it, it's drawn out. Mm -hmm. It can get, you know, with expansions, you can get up to 10 people. We've had eight, 10 player games and they go on forever. Yeah. They just keep going and going and going. And there are cards that can make you take more turns so that people don't get to move forward. And it never feels like anything's moving forward. And I think that that is, you know, accurate for the way that war can feel yeah 
uh, you know, and and Cosmic Encounter is supposed to be portraying war and supposed to be portraying at least the expense of military resources in wartime. Yeah, I would say that that makes it seem very dour. It does. I would say that this is a this is a very fictionalized type of war in the same way that like, you know, Star Wars has war like it's not the <laughs> yeah. most like horrifying, like saving private Ryan type portrayal of it but it does accurately display like almost what it's like to be the leader making these choices on a large scale and not actually seeing the like small scale problems of war yeah you don't have to care about it yeah oh i'll just blow up my planet that i used to own that all of my enemies have landed on that's right i'll just bomb it just fucking blow it right the fuck up so i think that that's one thing the game could be expressing i don't really know if i believe that it is <laughs> i just think that that's a possible interpretation there through the gameplay itself yeah you know what i mean that's that's through the fact that you can gain things you can lose things and they can take a long time to resolve a lot of the time yeah and it does sound dour i would never tell that to somebody i was trying to get to play the game hello listener play cosmic encounter it's a lot of fun it takes a long time <laughs> i i feel like um there's a lot of synergy between the aesthetics and the uh gameplay of this game right like you can draw a line between like the aesthetic ideal of what a war is you know down like i mentioned like down to the minutiae of like oh they have to pay war reparations for this thing or like uh maybe there's a tech card a special kind of card that lets you do an ambush on an enemy right so you get like more like a specific type of defense turn there and like everything in this game feels like a thing that could happen in this like diplomatic large-scale conflict yeah yeah i agree with you and so you're saying that there's a connection between that and the visual elements of it less the visuals and more just like the the written idea of like like the story of cosmic encounter is like you're an alien race and you want to win yeah 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 and I think the game really like the mechanics of the game express that really well. They do without getting like you're saying that expresses the minutiae on a large scale without getting too bogged down in the real life militaristic details that would make that feel more like risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more so I'm saying like the it feels like all of the game mechanics, they had a phase where they were developing and they were like, Okay, but how does this translate to the narrative of a war? Right, right. Which I think, yeah, it's probably one of the only games that does that. And I don't know, honestly, if I've thought about it in that context before, but I do agree with you. And, and you, you'll see it in other games as well, like uh, Betrayal and Wingspan, two other games that we play a lot of, mm-hmm. also like have that sort of element where like everything mechanical is justified in a thematically sensible way. Right, right, yeah. There's a lot of that, I think, in engine building games as a genre yeah like you kind of have to explain the like you have to explain the mechanics through some sort of narrative otherwise through some sort of ludo narrative if you will yeah well yeah it's literally ludo narrative yeah otherwise it's like why am i playing this because the game in that case you know in the engine building you you are constantly trying to get resources right yeah Catan is another good example of that although not an engine building game it needs to make sense it, and of course, it does make sense because it's like, well, two of these resources trade for that resource and two of these get me one of those. And it's very, very straightforward strategy game, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So with Cosmic, I don't know. Like, I don't really know where to go, to be honest with you. I'm more interested in the tabletop relationships between players as a result of the art that is the game. I think that that's very interesting to me. There's a there's a psychology to this game. It, it, it's a thing of like when you make a game, especially a multiplayer game, the the developers aren't just thinking about like, OK, what if we put a robot to play this game? Like it's like, right. What is the end user experience of playing this game? And like, yeah, what kind of fun can be had from it? And there's like there's definitely a very like camaraderie and almost like bar fight lawyer battle quality to cosmic encounter when you're playing with other people definitely so for context in within the game you were able to make allies with other people other aliens to help you basically gang up on on your enemies and so a lot of the time these alliances will last throughout the game like hey we had a good relationship or we made a good negotiation that was beneficial for both of us do you want to keep playing this out and then of course you can always fuck people over yeah and i think what you're referring to with the lawyer quality is like is the interpretation of the cards right yes you know or the interpretation of alien powers and so i think then going back to what we said at the beginning uh that because the game does that that interpretation and that lawyering and that social aspect of the game is intentional and that's something that you said was not intentional earlier on. I, I said I don't know if it's intentional. I would say that like whether it is or not, it is something I enjoy about the game. I think that a lot of art has things that are unintentional in it. You know, whether that is like something that they weren't aware of at the end or it was like an unintentional slip during the production of the art. Right. Like there's that that's everywhere. That's like all of content. Like there's holes. Well, look right in our in our previous episode, Taste of Luxury, and refer to the old man scene. Yeah, like they they didn't fucking. I don't think they planned that unless Probably they not. sent out a casting call for a very old and very confused looking man just teetering <laughs> through the shot. <laughs> Go teeter now. Where's my grandson? Is this hell? <laughs> Am I in limbo? Because my back's not good anymore. Try to limbo, granddad. Get it. Try to limbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, okay. I, I agree that there can be unintended consequences from art that end up being good. <laughs> That end up being beneficial to the experience of art. Yeah. Or or end up being a part of it. Yeah, that end up being a part of it. Yeah. But doesn't that bother you? Doesn't that bother you? <laughs> How so? Like, why would it? Well, because if there's an unintended consequence from the author, from the author's lack of action, mm-hmm. and the interpreter of the art interprets it in a way that it is not meant to be intended, but it makes the art better. That should be the exact thing that rubs Alphonse the wrong way. Not at all. Yes. Dude, I my favorite my favorite games are the Dark Souls games. They literally like give you like half of the storyline and then the rest is like, okay, put it together, fuckface. But then how can you say that about like, well, twisting what they said or interpreting something wrong? Because they've codified it if they're writing in a house rule. 
that makes it a solid thing that is then like a remix of the game. Well, but see, then every time that we play Cosmic Encounter, if something comes up, you know, sometimes it's like we lawyer a little bit. Okay, okay, we make a decision. Sometimes if it's a real bone of contention, that's when we decide to make a house rule. But wouldn't it be more fun just to bicker about it next time then? No, because it's a big pain in the fucking ass. See, here's the thing. I would be down for that. But there are people in our group who don't enjoy that aspect of the game. And thus, like, I I would say most people that play the game don't. Yeah, yeah. At least that we've played with. You know, the three, you, me, and Face, we get it. Love to bicker. Let's have Face on the podcast. I would be so down to have Face on the podcast about, like, a video game. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good. What else do you want to say about Cosmic Encounter? I think the art is super great. The current art from the Fantasy Flight games uh, version of the game is great because it, it's, you know, it's just good art generally. It's very fun. It's very, like, goofy. It's very goofy, but it's very visceral. Yeah. Right. A lot of it is very visceral art. And, you know, I I was trying not to mention some of the expansions um, because, you know, focusing on the core game, I think, is is the most important for getting across what the game's about. Yeah. Um, But a lot of the, you know, the goofiness in the other one, in the expansions, really kind of conveys a different energy and helps helps tone down some of the kind of graphic sci-fi and seriousness that the base game can seem to have yeah yeah i'd say that's that's fair yeah overall what i really enjoy visually and and it comes across in the writing as well the whole thing feels like 70s sci-fi it does like it feels like a product of its time in a way where like when i found out it was from the 70s i was like huh that's a that's really old and then i thought about it more and i was like that makes a lot of sense yeah seems right yeah it's really cool to see that style and that era of sci-fi, but like done in this extremely like well-realized style. I agree. It's like a digital painting style in case anyone's wondering. Right. And even just the cards, like the, the design of like the graphic design outside of the uh, portrait art is really sleek. Yeah. It's really nice, but it's like overly detailed and overly geometric in a way that feels very 70s as well and maybe a bit 80s. Yeah, and it feels, it just, the whole thing feels very, the attention to detail is excellent and it it feels very science fiction in a way that, you're right, is so characteristic of an era. Yeah. Which is important. Yeah. If they, like, yeah. if they change that, it would be something, it would be a significant detriment probably yeah I, I i would just assume it would be detrimental i was gonna say it would be a significant thing that you would notice but yeah so is it good well alphonse i gave you this i i mean we made it clear that we like this thing yeah and that we think it's good and you know i was i was more interested in this episode as a vessel for a, a larger conversation which i think we had how do you right. feel about this this conversation on the whole I think uh, I think it feels good on the whole. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if nothing else, it gives our listeners a little bit of a better understanding of where we stand on things. But uh, yeah. What? Do you, how do you rate Cosmic Encounter? How do you rate Cosmic Encounter? See, how do you rate a, a board game on the quality of art? This is yeah. a bigger question. OK, I think you rate it in the same way that you would rate like any game. Sure. And, you know. As always, we're going to rate it uh, objectively and subjectively. So objectively, I think that Cosmic Encounter is really great. 
I I find I had an easy time learning it because for me it was like okay how would a how would a space war work okay everything now works in exactly the way I would think that it would yeah okay yeah like I remember I learned to play Cosmic Encounter at Christmas at Face's house he had just gotten it and I didn't want to play it uh because I thought it looked dumb <laughs> and I just didn't want to like play a big board game I wasn't big on board games at the time hmm. then we sat down and played around because face was bummed out that no one was going to play it with him uh and I won that game and I fucking loved it and it became my favorite board game sounds right you know I've put in hundreds of hours into this game for sure and I think that's a pretty clear sign that I think it's good and I like it. I think there can be issues with like how much space there is for interpretation on things. And I hope that maybe like that gets fixed up as time goes on. Uh, I know they released a new version of it. I saw it in the store and it has different uh, cover art. It's not the uh, parasite portrait art anymore. Interesting. I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think it was an alternate version of the sorcerer, maybe. Huh. But um, I think like that can be an issue. I think it's complicated, like and so that can be like a barrier of entry for people. But I don't yeah, definitely I don't think that a barrier of entry or access basic accessibility should be considered in this review. So I don't know. I think I've just got to give it a really good fucking score. It gets a nine from me subjectively, and I'm going to give it an eight point five objectively because you know there's some people who like it's it's not going to be universally good for everyone like you have to be the kind of person who wants to play a fucking board game that's about like resource management and all that sort of thing but you know if that's what you're into this game fucking rocks it rules it's sick right it's it's my favorite board game i agree with almost everything that you that you just said honestly so that's fair enough but there's something i want to mention that you and I have dubbed the curse of cosmic encounter, <laughs> which is Alphonse. So face, so face got this game first yeah. uh, out of our friends. And as you've just told me, nobody felt like playing it. Nobody wanted to sit down and learn a big, big board game, right? Whatever. Then yeah. you decided to do it. I got exposed to this game because you were like, you want to come play board games with me and face. I said, yeah, man, sure. Why not? And you're like, okay, it's a sick board game. Here it is. And I was like, all right, I learned it. It was great. Loved it. A, a little while later, you got Cosmic Encounter. Yeah. And we were nearby each other and it was fine. But after we moved away. Well, I actually I I didn't get Cosmic Encounter. That was my roommate's copy. Oh, I got my Cosmic Encounter when I was out in BC for my birthday. Oh, interesting. OK, OK. Aside from this core little group, once Alphonse got it, he had difficulty finding people who were really into it and wanted to play it. Yeah, it took me years to get my hands on a copy. When I finally did, I had an impossible time finding people who wanted to play it. I have a copy upstairs that I've played exactly three times in three years. (laughs) And we should note, it's not a cheap game to get physically. No, you can get a much cheaper copy if you have tabletop simulator or if you get that even like it's cheaper to buy tabletop simulator and cosmic Cosmic encounter. Encounter. Um, So if you want a cheap option audience that's yeah so there's just been this this thing of like people not wanting i agree there you know there are barriers of entry so in experiencing that in experiencing how this genre now like 
a genre shouldn't be just rated lower because it's not liked or or it seems hard. Yeah. Right. That's dumb. Hard. There we go. Another one. So what I'm going to do, I, I'm going to give this an eight objectively. I think for me, I like how much lawyery stuff there is. It's my vibe. But yeah. I have seen too many instances where it bogs things down and grinds things to a halt. And that lowers it a little bit more for me. Yeah. I think that's that's also part of why I put it down to 8.5 rather than a nine. Yeah. As well. Uh, subjectively, I'm going to go with a nine as well. This is easily my favorite board game. I'm constantly I'm constantly like, let's play this. Let's play that. We have friends over for board games. I'm like in my head, I'm like cosmic encounter. It's probably just going to be clue anyway, because, you know, yeah. nobody wants to nobody wants to get into that shit like I do anyway. Yeah. So an eight point five and a nine. You know what that makes this? That makes this butter. I've never given something butter on this show, I don't think. Delicious butter. Yep. I guess mine's slightly above. Mine's a mine's a cultured butter, a full fat cultured butter. Yeah, European style butter is what they call yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you're still listening, thanks very much for coming along on this ride. This is a wild this is a wild episode. Yeah, this is a very uh you know, half the time we talked about cosmic. And uh, we hope you enjoyed that. And that's I mean, that was really the goal. If we've, you know, encouraged you to buy it or to try it out. Great. If you're like, that doesn't sound like anything I would ever fucking want to touch. Then at least we've done a good job of, you know, steering you in the right direction for you. Literally, like if you if you buy Cosmic Encounter on Tabletop Sim and you need a third player, just fucking hit me up, fam. I'm there. Send an email. Send a message. So what comes next? Alphonse. Hello. We've got stuff to give each other this time. Yeah. What's what's that stuff? Am I going first? I don't know. Do you want to go first or me go I first? F- I don't know. I always forget what order we go in. Why don't you go first this time? Sure. So it's been a bit since we checked in with our good friend, uh, Annie May. Fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh we we both agreed uh to give each other kind of longer form things i believe you have a graphic novel for me i do have a graphic novel for you i don't know what graphic novel it is to be clear but uh you know we agreed that we'd give each other something a little longer so i have an anime for you mm-hmm. it is a shorter series i checked this time thanks it is 12 episodes and it is called Mob Psycho 100. Uh, you've mentioned this before. Yeah, it's it yeah. is a favorite of mine, uh, as well as my girlfriends. We're both big fans. Nice. Um, I recently actually watched this with uh, my sister, Sarah, as well. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm like ready. That was a couple months ago. I'm <laughs> so down to just like sit down and rewatch the fucking series again. That's sick. It's it's great. Yeah. OK, awesome. Mob Psycho 100. I yeah, so I have a graphic novel for you. This is, you know, we've last time or this time we did a board game. Last time we did a web series. So we're exploring. Wait, wait, can you can you give me can you give me like a drum roll? Because I've been waiting for months to find out what this fucking graphic novel is. No, no, I'm not going to give you a drum roll. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I wanted I've had this idea for months and I've had it written down for months and I've just been wanting to I've been waiting for a good time. Okay. it's a novel. Actually, it was originally an album. That was adapted to a novel that was adapted to a graphic novel. Okay. 
Uh, so it is by Kevin J. Anderson and Neil Peart, and it is called Clockwork Angels. Okay. So this is a no- graphic novel adaptation of the novel written by Neil Peart that their that Rush's final album is about. Right. So to to be clear, uh, Neil Peart being the drummer for Rush for anyone who doesn't know that. Yes. Basically, the story goes, they put out this their last album, Clockwork Angels, in 2012. It was a big Mm -hmm. thing for them. And like, basically, they felt like it was going to be their last thing. But Neil thought that he's also the lyricist for the band. And so he thought that he wasn't able to convey the story that he wanted through the lyrics of the album well enough. Right. Uh, So he adapted it to a full novel with Kevin J. Anderson, who's a sci-fi writer. I recognize the name, I feel like. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff in the 80s and 90s, I believe. And then later on, they adapted it to a graphic novel, uh, which I haven't read. And so I'm just excited to check that out. And I think there's lots to talk about with a graphic novel. Oh, certainly a graphic novel from Neil Peart, like for sure. Yeah, so next week will be Mob Psycho 100. The week after will be Clockwork Angels, the graphic novel. Thank you very much, folks. If you've managed to listen this far, I know we've just gone on and on like a couple of old people walking in front of cameras old men <laughs> is this art good on facebook twitter and instagram and is this art good at gmail.com thank you please um call spotify and tell them that we are good or just write a review on apple podcasts that would be good enough hi, hi mr spotify there's a podcast i really like them they're called is this art good can you give them a promotion mm-hmm.